Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Tip of the Spear Leadership Podcast. Now it's time to welcome Chief Frank Lieb to the Tip of the Spear Leadership Podcast. Frank is here to share his leadership experience and time as, an, as a company officer and chief officer in the FDNY. Hey, Frank, thanks for joining us. Please uh, introduce yourself and uh, let the listeners know who you are. Hey, Mike, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So um, I have 31 years in the FDNY with just over 20 of them as an officer or a chief officer. I also have 40 years in the East Farmingdale Volunteer Fire Department, which time I've spent a lot of years in various leadership positions as well. So happy to be here. That sounds great. Um, you know, it definitely sounds like uh, you've probably been through the ringer with a few things. Um, so let's talk about your leadership. Tell us, uh, let's talk about your leadership style. What's your style of leadership when it comes to the company officer level and, you know, being one of the guys and riding that fire truck? Yeah, so um, I had about 10 years, actually about 10 and a half years when I promoted to lieutenant. You know, I loved, I loved being a firefighter. I still, I still miss it. No matter what anybody tells you, having the nozzle being a firefighter is, the, is still the best position in the fire department. But in the, actually putting the fire this position on the, on the fire gun. Um, I think when you when you first promote, you're kind of fi- trying to find yourself, right? And what is your leadership style going to be? And what you see is the different leaders that you've been exposed to in your career, you pull a little bit from each of them. I've been fortunate. I've been exposed to a lot of really good leaders in my in my career, at least people I thought were good leaders, and was able to um, to take each of their styles and mesh them together. What you know to what I would be comfortable in in my skin and being and, and doing. Likewise, you learn some bad leadership styles as well, and what to you know what to avoid, right? What doesn't work. Sure. You also learn that when when you go and and try and implement different policies or procedures or your leadership style and you're like, wow, that didn't really work as well, right? So you, you kind of adjust it. And um, I think you, you find out, you, you wind up making some mistakes, especially early on as an officer, as you're learning that fine line of, I still want to be a firefighter and still want to be one of the, one of the firefighters, right? But sure. you're now responsible for them. So how do you, how do you walk that line? So in the FDNY, that's one of the reasons when you promote to lieutenant, they put you in a different area of the city. So it's a whole new group of firefighters that may not know you as well as the firefighters that you've worked with. I, re- I realize small departments don't don't have that um, ability, right? Everybody may know you, which has its own challenges. So for me, it was always putting the safety and training of my firefighters first. Once, once that was taken care of, and I made sure they got paid as well, right? Those are the, the three things, training, safety, and, and pay, the, pay the firefighters. Um, then you can focus on the, the, more of the soft skills, right? The stuff that, um, that helps you run the day-to-day operations of the firehouse. And in a, in, a, in a really good firehouse, the firefighters largely run the firehouse. So you're there almost as a steward to make sure that um, 
you know, you're the, you're the pilot of the ship and just making sure that it stays on course. Um, when, when the leadership in the firehouse, when they don't have strong senior firefighters, say, sometimes the officer has to take a more active role in some of the sees that the, you know, what the firefighters typically do. But, you know, in the FDNY, particularly, we have, the, the day is kind of laid out for us to when we're going to do committee work and clean the firehouse and when we're going to train and do other stuff. So it kind of follows the cadence the day, depending on the day. Um, so if the, if the firefighters are, um, are well-trained and they're, they have some good, strong, informal leadership, then that makes, uh, that makes the job a lot easier uh, for a new officer. But I think that, that first year, I remember thinking to myself, boy, I studied myself out of a good job. I hated being a lieutenant for the first year. At the kitchen table, the, the, the jokes weren't funny. I didn't, I didn't know the players. You know, it, was just, it was just different. And even building trust initially, right? They don't know who you are. You don't really know who they are. So even building some trust quickly with them, you know, is something that's important because you go work somewhere for the day or you're going to cover a position that's open for a couple of weeks, say a vacation spot. And, you know, you want to, you want to find a way to build trust with the firefighters pretty quickly. That way they understand. So trust with your firefighters is very important. And, you can have a situation where you're covering a vacation or you're just there for a temporary assignment, maybe just, maybe just a tour. Uh, and these firefighters don't know you, right? So you'll see that the, the driver, the chauffeur of the, of the fire truck, they'll want to know your pedigree, right? They'll start asking you questions about your background, where, where'd you work, how long you have on the job, trying, trying to get information of, Likewise, you could use that chauffeur to get information about the guys you're working with, right? You need that rapport with the person who's going to be driving you for sure. But the initial goal, when you're with a new company, when you're with a group of firefighters that you don't know that well, you want to know if you could rely on them. And you want to let them know that you could rely on, that they can rely on you, right? So you need to get that trust uh, pretty quick. So letting them know where you've been, what your experience is, what your expectations are, right? Um, sure. It's always important to, to let them know, you know, what, what's the leader's intent here? What do I want from you? What do I expect if we go to a, a working fire? Um, I remember going to a fire. I was actually, um, I was a captain. I'm working in a new area that I never worked in. And I'm used to, my firefighters knew in other places that I've worked in, they knew what hose line to stretch, you know, when, without me saying, you know, I want a dry line to the front. You know, fire out the front, they would be, they would know to stretch, you know, private dwelling, an inch and three quarter line would be coming to the, to the front. They go to this fire, I see them, they're waiting on the back step of the rig, waiting for me to let them know. So I told them, I said, hey, uh, you know, guys, let's stretch a line. So it's a row frame dwelling on second floor. They stretch a two and a half inch line. And I'm like, I look and I'm like, what the, like, I don't want a two and a half inch line here. This is, 
it's the wrong size line. So sure enough, the chief comes in afterwards. He's like, what, what's the deal? What's with the two and a half inch line? And I said, yeah, I just, I screwed up. You know, I, I, I'm not going to sell the five guys down the, down the river, right? And then sure. afterwards, I let them know that, uh, you know, they didn't say which size line, so we figured you wanted them two and a half. And again, my firefighters, where I had worked, they, they knew what line to stretch. And, um, you know, I never wanted, uh, never want a two and a half inch line to go into a private dwelling or you know, row frame or brownstone. Different certain structures that I want, uh, you know, I need some speed and mobility and being able to move that line around. So that comes down to just knowing the crew and and don't overextend. If, if you want something done, you got to make sure you let them know. And I didn't do that. So even as a as a captain, that was a lesson learned for me that, you know, I have to make sure that my leader's intent and my expectations, even though I thought we were, they were, that was a pretty common frame of reference. You know, the nozzle firefighter had a different frame of reference than me. He was a junior, junior firefighter. And, you know, sort of, but you learn those type of lessons throughout sure. your career, right there. Um, you, you're never, you're never going to feel like you know it all. It takes a while as a, as a new company officer to get, to get comfortable. So it took me over a year before I even liked it to get comfortable, you know, it took, it took a little while, you know, because out of your comfort zone, your comfort zone is being a firefighter. You have this responsibility, members operating independently. You got to be listening to their transmissions and reports and accounting for them on a regular basis. And, you know, if you're not hearing reports from them, you know, make sure that you're asking without monopolizing the radio, you know, all those, all those type of things. But, you know, the fire ground, generally speaking, is the easy part, right? It's all those soft skill stuff, making sure that the firehouse is running smooth during all the other time. We spend a lot of time together in the firehouse and all those little issues that pop up. Handling them at the lowest level, very important. You know, I, didn't, I didn't like when I, I wanted to handle all of them at the lowest level possible. So it had to be a big issue. For me to report that up the chain of command, I didn't want the chief to get involved if I was able to handle the problem. Certain problems you have no choice. You know, you know, you have to you know, have to report that up the chain of command. But when you have a good relationship with your firefighters, the longer you know them and you're with them, those things become easier. But I think for the new officer, the the, the best piece of advice is um, you you got to get to know your firefighters quickly. You could do that with a with a drill. Um, to see what their knowledge base is, asking the chauffeur about the company, about the response area, because you want to know about the area that you're in. I usually start off asking, you know, a roll call, I'll ask, what are the buildings that could really get us jammed up? Many real oddballs. Because right? well, that gets them started, because they all know about it, right? Because if there's one structure in their area that they know, yeah, when we get a fire here, this is going to be crazy. Well, I want to know about that structure, even if I'm there only for the day, because you'll also see how into the job they are, right? Because it, if they're willing to talk about it and they're really into it and, and giving you that feedback, um, well, then then you know. Because 
a good company doesn't mean you go to a lot of fires. That's nice when you go to a lot of fires. But I know some companies that go to a lot of fires and they're not that good. Um, I know some companies that don't go to that many fires, but they train and they're ready and they put out their fires. They do a good job when they, uh, when they, when they go, when they go to fires. So I think that's, that's the real big thing from the, from the, um, from the company officer, like that separation between a firefighter and company officer. I don't walk that line and take care of the, to take care of your firefighters when you are permanently assigned somewhere and do the right thing. By them. Always, Always take care of your people to the best of your ability, especially your people that do the right thing. Yeah. You know, and I want to touch on a few things because there's a, several things that you brought up that I think are incredibly important. And, um, you know, there it's very interesting the way you said about being like a covering officer. So, like, there's been several times where I work overtime and, you know, I've been a officer for – eight years now I've been in the department for six, almost 16, right around 16. And one of the things that I've noticed in, as my time in the department, as, especially as an officer is there's been times where I walk into a firehouse and I, I don't know anyone at all, you, you know, and we're a very small department that I work for. We only have like right around 800, 900 people ish. So, I mean, that's a lot of people, I guess, in the long run, but in reality, the fire department in general, you know, as well as I do, it's, it's a lot of people, but it's still a very small community, you know? And, um, you know, I'll walk in, I don't know these people and the, I, I won't know anyone. Or if I know someone, I'll walk in and be like, you know, Hey, I don't really know the area. This is the driver, the guy driving the fire truck. I don't really know the area. So I'm going to really, I'm going to really, really lean on you, um, for the area. I mean, I know how to read a map, but you're going to have to help me a lot. I said, I can get you a hydrant, but as far as getting into the area on the map page, I'm going to need your help. Cause I'm probably, I might, I don't know where I'm going around here. And you know, that'll start a conversation. We'll call it kind of chit chat. Um, so far there, it's always been pretty successful with like, you see the officer and you know, everyone knows the guys on overtime or whatever you see the officer talking to one of the firefighters. What I like, and I see this a lot is everybody kind of starts migrating towards you guys. Oh, what are you guys talking about? And then they'll start interjecting or they'll add in their piece of the pie or whatever. So you get that little size up that you do of the guys that you're with and they're sizing you up too, kind of see where you're at. And, you know, just like with smaller departments, um, you know, they, uh, they know who you are before you get there. Your reputation is going to precede you. That's just kind of the way it is, especially as officers, because there's a lot fewer officers than there are firefighters. Did you, go ahead. Yeah. And especially if, especially if you're not a good officer, right? Then they, they know you're coming. Oh, yeah. Then they really oh, yeah. know you're coming. Yeah. So, but, um, but those conversations are so important to have, right, with the firefighters. You, can, you sit there, you're mixing it up, you're talking about your area, you're getting to understand that, you know, the assignments, who's going to get what, and, and who's, who can you rely on, right? And that's, especially when you don't know anybody, right? Because you're behind the eight ball. I don't sure. know the area. I don't know the firefighters that I'm working with, right? And I immediately make an ally with the chauffeur and he's letting me know what's going on about the area, who's working. And like, if, if they, if there's a firefighter that's working, that's really, really good or, or not so good, that chauffeur oftentimes confides in you and tells you, right. Hey, keep an eye on that guy. He's new. Keep an eye on that guy. You know, he tends to wander, right. Whatever, whatever it is. Um, sure. 
and that's that's important because we're part of a team and when you show up there you're part of that you're part of that company's team for the day for the or for however long you're going to be there um, getting some degree of t- trust right off the bat is just so important but there's just talking meet meet everybody ask them they want to know hey you've been an officer for eight years all right great you have some credibility right there you've been on a job for 16 years well that that, that should be some you you already have some credibility with us but now we want to know more where have you worked what it's you know sure and all the other stuff and then you you can you do that by having a roll call you do that by drilling uh, and doing those things because that is what is going to accelerate that trust factor to the day now obviously it's not going to be the same level of trust that, that you might have with with someone you've worked with for years but talking about that new officer who's who doesn't have a home right away and every you got to start somewhere and you're going to have a first tour somewhere and you know you just you're going to make you're going to make some mistakes and yeah you know, and what are the local company policies they do something a little bit differently in certain areas of town well we don't have that so much in new york city all groups everybody follows the same set of procedures so we are to a large degree interchangeable which is which is great but i know there's there's some areas where a shift does it one way b shift does it another you know that, that there is some differences or nuances in in the way you operate so knowing that ahead of time is pretty important yeah and you can also you know you you always start with the foundational stuff you know so the one thing that um that i was going to get that i was bringing up was you know when you go in and you start talking to these guys and girls and, you know, you're just kind of like, Hey, I'm here for the day or, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm the new officer. You get to meet everyone, you know, whatever. And you just start asking basic, basic questions. I think a lot of things are going to start coming out. So one of the things I like to do, um, when I go work overtime somewhere, or I swap, you know, swap shifts with somebody. Um, if I don't, you know, if I know I've never ran calls with these guys before, I'll kind of say to them, you know, Hey, so like if we run a high rise right now. How do you guys run your racks? Or if they have a ladder truck there, because we cross staff units, we don't cross, uh, we don't have independent companies. Uh-huh. So you go to, you can go to a firehouse where you have a ladder truck, an engine, a rescue squad, all in the same firehouse. So I'll ask very, very basic stuff. Hey, you guys have three on the truck. How do you guys do this? Or, you know, you have a rescue squad. Um, how do you guys do? Because our rescue squads do search. How do you do? Uh, how do you do your searches? Like very small, basic, basic um, responsibilities that are in the general orders that we follow for fire ground operations, stuff that they should know. And then you get a few things out of that. You can kind of, you're sizing them up, they're sizing you up. And I think you know as well as it's going to be hard. This is kind of hard to explain, but you can tell like when you kind of, you kind of mesh with someone, like you guys are both on the same page or you might kind of be like, all right, man, this guy's got his crap together and I'm kind of lacking. Like, you know what I'm saying? So you're going to have that size of work. A lot of nuggets. A lot of nuggets from that little conversation, knowing because you're an officer, so you've studied, right? So you know your general orders, you know your procedures, and you know that conversation. You're going to know if that firefighter knows what he's, you know, if he's if he's tight with his with his stuff. You're going to know that pretty quick, um, and and like you said, know if you're on the same page pretty pretty quick. Yeah. And they're going to know if you're not as well. So, you know, don't walk out and stick your neck out and make yourself look like an idiot. 
because they're going to read you like a book, especially if they're squared away and they have a good idea of what they're doing. Like if they're good at their job, they're going to know real fast if you are squared away or not. So, you know, don't, don't ever try to sell yourself as something that you're not. Um, I unfortunately did that when I was younger in my career and a little bit when I first got promoted and then I got really humbled really fast. And you know what? I'm glad I, I went through that. It, it, uh, I think it made me better. And, it, you know, looking back on it, I kind of chuckled because I was a complete idiot. And, you know, it's not about falling down. It's about getting back up, right? Um, yeah. And that's a great point that you bring out, right? So because you could be working in an area that, uh, like for, in New York City, you could, you could be working in a high-rise area. Maybe your whole career you worked in a private dwelling area. So relying on the on the institutional knowledge that they have of their area and their buildings, you know, so – yeah, and just tell them, hey, I can't, I didn't, I haven't done a lot of high rise, or I haven't, you know, I worked in an engine, so I, I don't have a lot of experience forcing an elevator or whatever. Yeah, so I think being upfront with the firefighters is very important. I think that's, that's a great point that you brought up, especially for a new officer, because those guys or girls, if they have some time in that air in those areas, they they know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, you could. You could fool the you could fool the spectators, but you can't fool the players. Sure, and you know the other thing about I think that I <clears throat> that I kind of learned was too like, you know, if you go work somewhere, and I and I had this once where I worked in a very bit one of the busiest areas in the department that I work at. They go to I would say probably the most some of them probably the most fires, if not they're in the top three at least, and they're very busy, very very aggressive. They have an engine and a ladder truck in the firehouse, and everyone's very young, like very young. And what I learned was I walked right in there and I'm like, hey, I'm normally assigned to an engine. Haven't done a lot of truck work in a while. I'm really going to need your help with the area. And we ran a couple calls. One of the calls was a box we were first arriving, first due on. And it was a building that was, um, I've never ran that building. I've never ran a building like that. I had no clue. And the guy driving's like, take that map page, fold it up, put it in your coat. And you need to go to the lobby which is basic fundamentals, like basic operations, right? If nothing else, always fall back to the basics and think like a firefighter because the stuff you would do as a firefighter is the same stuff you're going to do as an officer when it comes to tactics because in reality, as the officer, you're responsible for those basic jobs being done, right? So you may not know exactly what to do, but if you lay out, pull a line, pull your standpipe racks, make the connection, get a report from the floor, go to the reporting area, whatever it is, those basic skills or where you're going to start. So, you know, when you sell these guys, hey, I'm going to need your help with this building, and they come right off, hey, you know, LT, we got these racks, you grab the officer rack, he's going to grab the irons, this is what you're going to need to say, or this is what our officer normally does when we run this address. You're giving them ownership. You're giving them trust. And I think when you, as an officer, at least from my experience, as an officer, when you say something to somebody like, you know, hey, man, I'm really going to need to lean on you, and they're the officer, and you're just a firefighter with three or four years, that's going to motivate them, right? And they're going to say, well, wow, like this guy's not afraid to say he's, you know, he's, he's saying, hey, I don't know this, or hey, he needs my help. Well, that's going to motivate them. And then they're going to be able to say, well, all right, cool, LT. Well, I don't know this part. Or, hey, LT, I need your help with this. They're not going to be bashful or anything like that, right? And ultimately, at the end of the day, I think that says a lot more about someone that's not afraid to ask for help from, a, you know, you're a lieutenant with 15 years on, and this guy's a firefighter with three years on oh, wow, the lieutenant's looking at me for help. I need to step up. You know what I mean? And you give them that opportunity. They knock it out of the park. You guys 
finish the call and it's a, it's a, you know, a positive, uh, outcome and you put your fire out or, you know, you finish the call, you, you hit all your benchmarks, you get to go back to them like, Hey man, that was great. Thanks for your help. I mean, and that's going to foster trust in you, even if you don't work there and you're only there for, you know, 24 or 12 or you're swapped for a day or whatever. If you come back, they're going to remember that. They're going to talk about it because they're going to say, I mean, at least when I'm off, I go back to my guys, Hey, how'd last shift go? And they'll say, whatever. Well, over time, they're going to remember who you are. You, you know what I mean? And that's going to yeah. create trust, which is going to travel, you know, and that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, listen, we all have skin in the game, right? And we all have ownership, that teamwork, and we need to rely on each other. And if, if there's a weak spot somewhere or someone needs to pick up your blind spot, and that's what we do, right? Because at the end of the day, the operation is a team sport, right? And um, sure. as, a, as a chief officer, when I go, some, I go somewhere and I have a driver for the day, my aide, or even my regular, I would tell them the first time they're driving me, listen, I don't know or see everything. If you see something that I'm not addressing or you hear a transmission that is important and I didn't address it, you need to tell me, right? Because we are a team. You have my blind spot. And like, then they, like a light bulb goes, goes on and they get it and they're like, wow, like the chief's telling me that I'm a valuable part of the team and speak up. I don't want, if you think the building's going to collapse, don't tell me later on. Yeah, chief, I thought that was going to collapse, but because I saw, I saw, uh, whatever, I saw the cracks in the wall or smoke pushing from, from cracks in the wall. And I, I didn't tell you, well, now it's too late, right? So there's that, we all have ownership on the fire. Responsibility. We all have responsibility. Obviously, as you go up, you have more responsibility, but that whole team aspect and making sure that that, um, that you articulate that to your people, leaders intent, which you which you do is, uh, I think that's a another very valuable lesson. Yeah, and you know the idea, the whole idea, I think, of leadership and uh, being a good company officer is, you know, you're going you're going to go fight fires, right? I mean, that's what I want to do, and I think that's ultimately everybody's goal. And you you always want to come home with the same number of people you left with. You want to come home with no one injured. And, you know, none of that happens without strong teamwork, right? I'm going to rely on you. You're going to rely on me. And we're going to get into a real tough spot or we're going to be in a very dangerous situation or a very uncomfortable call because that's just how we are as a team. I'm going to rely on you. You're going to rely on me. We're going to work this out. And through time, through diligence, that's when you build that trust. You know, and the other part of that, the other side of that is you go through a call, you go through a fire and you just drop the ball. You do a terrible job and you screw it up. The best thing you can do is say, hey, guys, I screwed up. And, you know, you don't dwell on it. I screwed up. Let's talk about it. They kind of give their interactions and you move on and you drop it. You let it go. Don't repeat it again. But I still think, you know, it's very, it's very impactful if you make a mistake, you take ownership and you move on from it. And when they watch that, they see that, I think that's going to create trust as well. Actually, I know that will create trust. So I had a situation where I was kind of screwing up the area and one of the, one of my guys comes up to me and goes, Hey dude, collectively, we need you to fix this. And every word of his advice, I took it and I did exactly what he said. Right. And it worked out really well. And just like anything else, you know, the guys in the firehouse are never going to say to you, 
whether they like you or not. They're not going to talk about whether they trust you or not. None of that's going to be there in open war, especially as the officer is what I'm saying. But you can see that. That's going to be palpable. You're going to know if they're going to trust you or not. You're going to know if they're going to follow you or not. So, oh, go ahead. Yeah, totally, totally agree with that. And another important lesson, especially for a new officer, is understanding, like, they need an officer. They have plenty of friends in the firefighters. They will, they will like you and be your friend. That comes along with it. But they need, they need someone who's going to lead them, teach them, keep them safe. And that's another important point. New officers don't always uh, fully comprehend. It takes some time to, to, to learn that. Yeah, and you know, in the short term, and I guess when you're less experienced or you don't have as much wisdom, you haven't started developing that wisdom, you know, it's much easier to go in consistent, strong, and have your expectations and set forth, set or set them, uh, or excuse me, communicate them, and then you can adjust it as the time ebbs and flows. But you, you can't come in friendly and then try to lay the hammer down. It's not going to work. If you come in consistently, and I don't want to say back off, but like if you have your set standards, someone doesn't meet them, you hold them accountable, and then you keep moving forward, you're going to have a lot more success. And then if you need to tailor it for someone's situation where, you know, yeah, I want to drop the hammer on this guy. And then I say, well, hey, wait a minute. Why didn't you meet this expectation? And he gives you a reason, and the reason makes sense you can kind of decide the situation then whether you're going to really hammer them or if you're going to say, all right, and then decide how you're going to handle the situation. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say? That does. And I think consistent leadership, right. Is the, is really the, the underlying theme of, of what you're getting at is, you know, make sure. So if, if you're going to be the guy that drops the hammer, you're going to be the officer that drops the hammer on everything, comes in strong, be consistent with whatever you're doing. Right. Yeah, there's nothing nothing worse than an officer who comes in and you're like, uh, I wonder if this guy took his medicine today. Who am I going to get today, right? Um, so, yeah. you know, be be consistent. I don't think dropping the hammer all the time is it is a good leadership style. I think that's I think dropping the hammer all the time is necessary. There's times I think, you know, in the firehouse is is um, really a need, a need for that. We can make we can make a lot of good decisions around the firehouse. As a committee, the firefighters have some input there. It's their firehouse as well. And those things change if you're permanently assigned to a firehouse as well, right? You're there for the day. Don't go changing the office around and moving tools out of one compartment into another. Um, that's a sure way to get yourself into uh, into trouble. But some people do that, right? They don't because yeah. they don't they don't they don't get it. But uh, you know, so don't don't do that. Don't be that guy, and have some consistency. Whatever leadership style it is that you, um, you know, that you call your own, and you're right. You go into a firehouse and and you set one leadership style, and now you you assign there permanently, or you know, people be like, what what happened? What happened to the officer that we that we liked that that was part of the team? Like, where'd he go? You know, so that consistency. Firefighters want, deserve, and need consistency in their offices. Yeah, and they want predictability as well. Like, they want to know how you're going to react. They want to know, like, all right, you know, this is, uh, as you mentioned before, this is a single, a, um, you know, a row, a row house. And, you know, they want to know 
well, he's going to want an inch three quarter, or he's going to want a two inch or what, whatever lines you pull. He, this is a residential. He wants this, or this is a commercial. He wants that. And over time, they're going to pick that up. The more you work together, they're going to pick that up and um, they're going to know your expectations before you get there. And a lot of those, a lot of those things with the predictability and, and wanting to do those things, a lot of it's on the fire ground, but I think more often than not, it's going to be that small stuff in the firehouse. That's going to be more consistent than calls. Um, and, with that being said, I do think being able to read the room is very important as an officer. I think that, you know, kind of, or maybe not reading, knowing your audience is that, I think that might be a better yeah. way to say that. Well, don't be, tone, audience, don't be tone deaf, right? I mean, to what's going yeah. on in the firehouse, know what's going on in your firefighters lives, right? Um, know when sure. to drill. Like I love to drill and I know, I know when to drill and when not to train. So, um, if the Super Bowl is on, don't drill during the Super Bowl, right? If you, if you, right? So there's times that we know, you know, you, you got to know, like read the room, know your firefighters, know what's going on, have that consistency. Uh, above all, so all of this is, um, you have to be competent, right? So the officer has to be competent. Sure. If no one's going to follow, uh, we'll want an incompetent officer, no matter how much, they may like to go out and have a beer with you or, or do other things with you. Um, you know, they want competency. So there's, there's really no substitute um, for that. If you, you know, there's, there's fire, you know, you can get away with that as a firefighter to a degree, but as an officer, there's no room for, um, for any of that. No. And it's actually kind of funny the way you said that there's been several officers that I worked for that I think on a personal level, I wasn't a big fan of. And they were not a big fan of me, um, you know, from my act. I was young, but there's one officer that sticks out to me that we butted heads a lot. And he was kind of, you know, kind of crappy with a lot of stuff in, inside the firehouse. Um, but when it came to being an officer, like doing the right thing, being sharp on calls, and even if he doesn't like you, you're still going to get the same treatment everyone else does. We just didn't get along. And looking back, a lot of that was my fault, but you know, when it was time for him to be the officer and step up and there's one situation in particular where I was kind of like, Oh boy, let's see how this goes with a personal problem outside of work. I was like, all right, we'll see how this works out. He stepped up, knocked it out of the park and him and I had a talk. We had an understanding and moving forward after that, the relationship was good. The relationship was professional. And every time he needed to step up and be an officer, he was an officer. And, you know, I don't inside the firehouse, not, you know, a lot, a lot of self-reflection and looking back on things as a lot of while you were talking, I was thinking about it. Like, I don't want you to be a nice guy. I don't want you to be, you know, I don't want you to be popular. I want you to be sharp. And if you know your job, you're very good at your job. Like you just said, the competency over time, the friendship can develop, right? But if you come out of the gate, you know what you're doing. You're strong at what you do administratively, operationally, and all those things. I think those things fall into place. I mean, because, you know, on a moral level or a personal level, you do have to be, um, you have to be able to interact and get along with people. That's just the way it is as, as an officer. Because if you butt heads with everyone, you're going to get absolutely nowhere. You know, I mean, yeah, you could go out and embarrass and crush this guy, but what does that really say? What do you, you're not going to get anything out of that person. They're going to shut down, right? So, you know, you, you have to build those relationships. You have to do that in a tactful way. I think, I think tact is very, very important when it comes to being an officer. And, um, you know, you got to step up and be an officer when it's time you're 
your time to be the officer. But ultimately, it's always kind of funny when I listen to guys talk. They're like, I don't want you to be a nice guy. I don't want you to be popular. I want you to be good at your job. You know what I mean? I would, yeah. I would take someone being kind of a jerk and it's somewhat tolerable, but they're sharp at what they're doing when all of it really, really counts, like the stuff that can dramatically affect people. Then to be like, yeah, you and I are really, you're really great. It's fun to talk to you. We laugh and joke and all that. But every time we go out on a fire, you're, you suck, you're terrible, or you don't know what you're doing, or, you know, this situation's going on in the firehouse and you need to have the balls to step up and figure it out. And you don't because you're kind of a pushup. Like, you know, does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So I want you to have good interpersonal skills and be able to get along with everybody. Right. Because the, otherwise the firehouse could be a difficult place to be with with someone that doesn't have good interpersonal skills. But the bottom line is I want a competent officer that knows what he's doing on the fire ground and when we're out of quarters, right? And I don't care if I ever go to a, a bar and have a drink with them, if they're good. I Ideally, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll socialize outside of work as well. But most importantly, I want someone who's competent on the fire ground as my officer because I could go out with the firefighters, right? There's other people I could, I could go out with that officer – He's, he's, there's only one of them working and he's, he's important sure. to make sure that he's, that he's, that he's, um, on his game and competent and, you know, stays, stays current with his skills. Um, because he's, he's got the responsibility of more than just himself. Um, you know, so that's why you gotta be training. Right. Um, and I've heard the statement, uh, the saying a bunch of times, you can tell if an officer cares for you by him training and, and educating you. An officer who does that cares for his firefighters. If you're the officer that sits in the office all day or is doing whatever else you're doing, but you're not training and you're not you're not adding any value to the company during the day, well, you know that's you're not doing your job and you're showing you don't really care about your uh, your people. You know the other thing, the other thing that I kind of noticed with that, and I've I've been learning this a little bit recently is, you know. <laughs> If you have a junior man and, you know, just throw this scenario out there, the junior man has like 10 or 11 years on, right? All the way up through 14 years. The way you train and do things with them is much different when, when you have a crew, a crew with a collective six years total, right? So I'm not going to go to that 14-year guy and say, hey, let's pull hand lines for three hours. Nope. Hey, we have a ladder truck in the firehouse. Let's go throw the 45-foot banger ladder a few times so we stay proficient in the skill. No. I mean, that will happen. You have to do that at some point. That has to come out so you stay relevant to it. But I do think there's something to be said, or there's not something to be said. There's a way you go about staying sharp. So training does not just mean pull lines, run upstairs, hook up, all that. That is important, yes. But I think staying engaged, being present, like being present with your crew. And, you know, if you run a call, five or 10 minutes of a chat of something with tactics, do it. Those things last over time, especially when it's stuff that like, you know, you look around and something kind of sticks out like, Hey, we ran this medical at this building. Let's say instead of the building or since instead of this person being sick in this room, what if this room was on fire and that person was trapped? What line will we pull to get here? How would, where would you park? What do you think our priorities would be for this building with our general orders? You know, would you run a rack? Would you run a leader line? Would you line over, whatever. And that, what I've learned is that'll start a conversation. And then for, and it happens every time we'll run another building. Someone else that's not me will bring that up and be like, Hey, LT, what do you think about if this rose on fire? You and you foster that. So, you know, sharpening your mind and 
I guess staying engaged, I think is the best way to say that. You can be engaged and training a lot, uh, most of your day. You don't have to sit there and beat these guys up and say, get all your gear on, go do this, go do that. Yeah, that stuff needs to happen. But a lot of that happens with reps on calls um, and those, uh, there's certain times for you to be able to do that. You know, know, I mean? know your audience, right? If I have a group, and knowing I, your audience, if I have a group of fifteen year, ten year firefighters, and they're in a relatively busy area, I don't need to have them stretch a line. We could talk about it, right? Talk about some of the stuff. I mean, one of my first tours as a new lieutenant, I was the junior. I've ten and a half years. I am the junior guy working by at least five years. I don't think anybody had less than twenty years that was working, and I'm joking around with them, and I'm like, "How much time do you have?" I'm like. Hey, I'm the junior guy. I'm getting in the sink, joking around with them to do the dishes. And um, uh, so for, I'm like, all right, so for drill, I had just attended a drill about these new railroad cars that, they're, that uh, were going to be in our area soon. Uh, we went to the rail yard because I, I knew they were there and we trained on it. These, these firefighters, they had no idea and they were appreciative of that. Um, like you said, all those 10 minute little drills are good um, as well because. 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. The next thing you know, in your, in your tour, you drilled for, you know, an hour or two. And it doesn't feel like you did. All these little micro drills that you had throughout the, um, throughout the day. But you've you got to engage the firefighters and not bore them and talk about, all right, so this is how we're going to stretch a line. Or this is how we're going to search sure. when, when these guys have been, you know, these guys and girls have been doing that. Um, you know, they just did it last night at a fire. When there's other stuff. I'm pretty involved with a lot of the UL research. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go to a research burn. I'll come back. And no matter where I go, I talk to the firefighters. They're interested because they don't, they don't know. They don't, they don't have that experience. Right. So I want to transfer that experience to them. And it always leads to questions and greater understanding and knowledge um, of the firefighters. So I think it all goes back to that point you said earlier, know your audience. Don't be tone deaf to, to, to the room understand and appreciate the experience level that they have. If I have a group of two year firefighters, well, maybe we're going to stretch a line for, for drill. Yeah. You, you know, even if we just stretch a dry line and, and, you know, to, uh, Hey, let's, let's just see how you stretch it around this car. Or like, I'm not going to do that with a 10 year firefighter. He know he knows how to stretch around a, a car or different obstacles or make sure it's not under, um, a fence and dip- he's, He's aware of all those little nuances. Um, so that's a good, that's another really good point. Because uh, they'll just start rolling your eyes at, their eyes at you. Like, what, what is this? What is this guy doing? <laughs> yeah, and I think it's something to be said about if you were to go to somebody that had that time on, even if you're just a covering officer, if you're, if it's your crew, you know, you, like we listen to fires that get put out throughout the county while we're at work. We'll switch the channel over and listen to it. And then somebody inevitably is going to be pulling it up on um, Google Earth. And then we'll look at it be like, oh, what kind of building would it be? Hey, where would you park? All those kind of things. And when you ask them what they think and you engage them, I think you – I don't want to say you get points, but you um, – I think it's going to be much more well-received well because then they're looking at you as the officer like, oh, well, he wants to know what I think. And that creates a lot of buy-in, and that sharpens a lot of a lot of the – you're sharpening the edge with guys at that, at that point with that much time on. You're not – I don't want to say you're not teaching them because I think there's always people. I mean, there's going to be those guys out there that have 10, 15 years on that are not worth anything. And they're a liability more than they are an asset. 
But I think when you start asking people what they think, it motivates them and makes them feel important. It makes them feel like part of the team. And when you start sharpening that edge by fine tuning different things, you get a lot of buy-in. And one thing that I've noticed is when we start these conversations, you know, people start kind of like migrating in or those guys will come in and be like, Hey, we're doing that. We're talking about, you know, this fire they had the other day. Why don't you come in here? Or, Hey, LT, we're doing this drill. Come on out or whatever. You know what I mean? That's what you want. You want to be able to foster that, um, foster that culture of them wanting to be better and them bettering themselves. And there's a quote I mentioned the other day on a different show that, that I found that said, um, in bad teams, no one leads in good teams. The coach leads and in great teams, the players lead. And I think that's very relevant with, for the, for the, for the culture of the firehouse that you want to create. And a lot of that comes from training, being sharp on calls, your officers or your firefighters trusting you as the officer, you consistently being there for them and most of all, empowering them to be better for themselves, to want to train. So you're not out running around and, Hey, let's go drill. Hey, let's go drill. Hey, let's go drill. No, they're coming out and they're doing all these things. And all you do is just kind of, you kind of walk in, you watch, listen, most of all participate, add in your, your two cents. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with not knowing everything. And there's nothing wrong with not being the smartest guy in the room because your goal at the end of the day, at least what I think is you want to be able to um, have your strengths balance their weaknesses and their strengths balance your weaknesses. Yeah. And, and you know, so you, you mentioned, um, you know, th- those great teams, right. That, that, that they're leading themselves. You know, when you had Timmy Kled on, right. He mentioned that the, the firefighters would come upstairs and let him know, Hey, we're going to drill Lou. Right. Um, sure. And always, when they tell you that they're going to drill, always go down and drill with them. Don't sit in your office. Get down there. And that's exactly what he said and exactly what he did, which is why his firefighters respect him because they, they know that. But let the senior firefighters or let the, a firefighter who's who wants to be a boss one day, let them run the drill, right? Because now you're mentoring you're mentoring that next generation of leaders for the fire service and for your department. Um, or... You know, ask the firefighters, a great drill. You you show up somewhere and you know they had a fire the other day. Hey, anybody have that fire the other day? And, you know, two two people say, yeah, I had that. Oh, fantastic. Walk me through it. Let's talk about it. Right? And then, yeah. you know, everybody, everybody, even the slugs want to talk about a fire they went to. Right? So um, yeah. next thing you know, everybody's engaged in the conversation. And you could ask specific questions about it to, to guide and lead the conversation. Um, but next thing you know, that's a, that's a fantastic, um, easy drill or, uh, especially as a chief, when, when I go to different firehouses, um, I always try and come with information that they may not have a fire. I went to that. They didn't, that I could talk about, right. And just pass on those experiences. Hey, let's talk about this. I had this fire. Let's talk about this. You know, I had this incident the other day and, um, you know, even a critique afterwards, right? I always lead the critique by saying, I, I wish I would have did this, um, but this is what I did. I, I might've gotten a better outcome if I had done this, and this is why. Um, and I think part of that is, is as an officer, uh, to me, as a, especially as a chief officer, I want to talk to the firefighters and let them know, not just the company officers, but I want the firefighters to know what I'm thinking strategically because that will help them fulfill the mission when they're on scene. I don't want, I just don't want robots at the scene, right? That says, well, this is what the, this is what the standing order or the SOP says. So that's exactly what I did. 
No, I want you to be a thinking firefighter that's knowledgeable, that knows that I went to the fire and I know this is what I, this is what our SOP says, but I did this and this is why. And part of that is understanding what this, what the leader's intent is and what my, what I'm thinking strategically. If I pull firefighters out of a building as a chief officer, I explain to the firefighters that I pulled out afterwards, why, what I saw, what I was thinking, what they may not have seen, saw, or was thinking, right? So that way they have, they view that incident a little bit better from the eyes of the incident commander and not just, ah, that chief is a coward and he pulled us out, you know, um, but I'll tell, listen, I'll rather pull you out an hour too early than five seconds too late. Um, you know, so all those different things of just imparting that, and that's what those, all those interactions do, whether you're a company officer or whether you're a chief officer, and kind of transferring some of those experiences um, and having them think, because someone among those firefighters is going to be the next leader, um, whether it's a company officer or a chief officer. So there's no such thing as preparing them too soon um, to take those steps. You know, a lot of that has to do with being present. And the scenario that I always, I always bring up when it, when it comes to that is, you know, that human interaction where you're going to talk to people, kind of like when we talked uh, before we started recording of being able to physically see somebody on this, even though it's just going to be audio, not video, that human interaction is going to create a lot of uh, uh, organic uh, interaction, right? That relationship. So I think being present with your crew is very important. And that's why the firehouse kitchen is so important. You know what I mean? You don't have to be out there, you know, doing anything in particular. You don't have to be out there reading general orders to each other. None of that. But like you're, you create that foster of trust by being out there and getting your balls broke sitting at the table, even though you're the lieutenant, right? They're crushing you and you crush them back and it's fun. And then as anything else, the conversation is going to ebb and flow where you're going to start talking about tactics. You're going to talk about politics fire department politics, you know, that kind of stuff. And over time, they're going to know what's going to make you tick and you're going to, or what's going to piss you off or, you know, whatever. And you start creating those um, conversations where you start getting in depth with things. And a lot of that stuff is incredibly relevant. And I think there's been a lot of things that we've talked about, at least in my experience, things we've talked about in the, at the table that came up on calls or we talk about calls at the table. Three or four o'clock in the morning, we're getting smoked, running calls. We come back, people are snacking, and then we start talking. And we're up, but we're all up together. And that creates that culture. And the one thing at the station that I work at that I really – I it took me a long time to realize how much of a blessing in disguise it was. And I think it didn't really click until I started doing this podcast was we don't have a day room. We don't have recliners. We don't have any place to actually get comfortable. And I like it. Because now we're all kind of forced to be together. The guys want to be together because they have the right culture and the right mindset. But I think it subconsciously, the most comfortable place to be is going to be in the kitchen or the rolly chairs and put them out behind the wagon. And we're all sitting around talking with a couple guys on the tailboard, one guy sitting on a weight bench, and then we just start going at each other or talking about calls. And I think when you look at that and realize how much of an asset that is and play that into your favor, it's good. Because when you have those firehouses where people go and everyone's in separate, I'm sure you've seen it. People will go be in their separate corners doing their own thing. No one interacts. They come together for meals if they come together for meals. And those things bleed over on the calls. Those are the crews that suck or they're slugs. 
and they're not that great. But when you have people that may or may not be good or bad or indifferent or whatever, but you have that continuous engagement, those shortcomings and those things that they need to pick up are going to come out at some point, some way over time. That's what I mean. That's what I've learned at least. And uh, you create a un, uh, you can't reproduce, in my opinion, the environment of not having a, a, an actual day room in recliners. And if you harness that, or if you take advantage of that um, unique scenario, I think it, it can really pay off. And, you know, quite frankly, I think it has. And it's something that I, I, you know, when you're kind of exhausted, you're in the middle of a 36 hour shift or, you know, you're coming off 24 and you're working there for 12 and you just want to get comfortable somewhere and relax. It kind of sucks. But the payoff is tenfold because you can foster, you have the ingredients to foster a thriving team. And it's something that I really like. The firehouse kitchen with a fresh pot of coffee is the center of the fire service universe. We yes. solve every problem in the world, including firefighter problems, including world peace, and you, you name it. We solve it at, at, the, at the kitchen table. You learn about your firefighters. You learn, you learn about their families. You learn all the different stuff that we're talking about. Today. You learn that all. Sometimes just sitting there and being quiet just being a good listener at the kitchen table around the meal, meal time or any time after, after a call or the back step of the fire, of the fire truck right after a call or when you come back to the firehouse afterwards and, and you're behind the, you're behind the apparatus critiquing what you just did. Even if it was, even if it was nothing, even if it was false alarm, but it had a different style of roll down gates or an alarm system that you haven't seen. It could be something minor. Somebody went to the roof and they, they had a problem for whatever reason or, or something went well. And just, just discussing that because then that, that next firefighter needs to get to the roof or, or see that same type of alarm or roll down gate. They got that in. Now that's in their back pocket, right, um, for everybody. So that exchange of information is, is, is continual. Um, and it's really it's that kitchen table with a nice fresh pot of coffee is – center of the fire service universe, right? The chief comes in, the co I go to a firehouse, and the very first thing I'm asked, chief, you want a cup of coffee? Right? And I say, hey, let's go inside. Let's go to the kitchen. Let's go sit at the yeah. kitchen. I don't want to stand outside and have everybody stand in there. I, I, let's go sit down. Let's go sit down and have, have a nice cup of coffee. And and uh, the next thing you know, we're discussing a fire. Maybe I'm, I might be screen mirroring my phone and showing them a video of a fire. And hey, what would you? Hey, I went to this fire. What would you, what would, what do you think of this video? Right. Whatever. Um, yeah. And it's, and then they're engaged and which is, there's nothing better than going to a firehouse and uh, as a chief officer and, and the brothers and sisters are engaged in the conversation and invested in the conversation as much as, as much as I am. Um, and you that know, shows, right. When you go there as a company, sure. no matter what rank you are, the firefighters see that if you're genuine, the firefighters know that they know that immediately if you're genuinely into the job and trying to do the best job that you can. And they're going to, and they're going to know it right away. You can't BS that like they'll read right through you and you know, you have to step up and be the officer when you need to be the officer. But I do feel like when you genuinely care, they know you care. They'll follow you anywhere. They will. Um, I don't want to say forgive shortcomings, but 
Um, when you start showing that you're caring and you're doing the best that you can and you genuinely want what's best for them, you genuinely go out with the intention of doing the right thing and you have some shortcomings, I don't want to say they forgive it, but you humanize yourself, right? You're just like they are. Everyone's all the same. Everyone's a human. You're going to make a mistake. But when it's time to be the officer, you need to step up, make the decision, make the right decision, be there for them when they need it. You have to do it. You owe that to them. So um, you do owe that to them. You're that's exactly right. You owe that to them, right? They they will give you that trust. They will do anything for you in return. But that is is that's probably the most important point of 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 our conversation today is that you owe it to them to be the best officer that you can be because we expect a lot from the firefighters, and that's a two way street. They they should expect a lot from us as well. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to you're going to have your good days and, and your bad days. And, uh, you know, leadership is not a uh, destination. Leadership's a journey. You know, I think any good officer is going to remember what it's like when they were a firefighter where they will. I think you can teach leadership. I really do. I think it takes a type of person to want to do it. But I feel like anyone if you it's just like anything else in your life, if you work hard enough and you really apply yourself, you can do it. Yeah, I agree and, with that. Yeah, absolutely. You, teach. you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I was talking to a guy that I work with, and he brought up some really good points where he says, you know, he talks about leadership and stuff, and it's, a, it's not so much about, you know, the characteristics of leadership, or it's not so much, you know, honor, integrity, truthfulness, all those kind of things. No, it's you have to have a relationship with people. You have to, right? So if you have part of that relationship, I guess the point that I'm making is, just as they evolve as firefighters and you're teaching them, you're, you know, you, you call it or, you know, you identify mistakes or shortcomings. You both work on it. You're going to do that too. You're going to have shortcomings as an officer. You're going to utterly fail at things. And I think over time, when you build those relationships, you build that trust and that common ground, they're going to see you, you know, struggling, getting better, moving up, you know, um, just as they will with their skills and all those things. And you guys are running that parallel to where they're like, all right, well, you know, he's getting better. So am I. We're both working. I have my shortcomings. So does he. We're, we're both working on them. You're going to create a strong bond and you're going to humanize yourself. And you, you know, you get on that common level of we both can do this. We just have to work at it. But I'm going to do my best to always take care of you. And, you know, I think, you know, I've done a lot of things in my career that I really enjoyed and I thought gave me fulfillment. But I, I think being an officer is one of the most rewarding things and the most fulfilling thing I've ever done because now I can actually, I have the authority and power to do something, right? So, you know, if you have somebody struggling or you have somebody that is kind of getting the short end of a deal with something else, I can stick up for you now. I have the authority to do that. I don't care what the rank is, chief, captain, whatever. I don't care. If I'm there to advocate for you, I'm there to stick up for you, just like a parent. If I'm there to take care of you, I have that power. And guess what? It's going to fall back on me anyway if there's something that you're doing that's shortcoming because I'm the officer. So I can I have broad shoulders. I can take all that, you know, and then you could have someone that isn't that great with their skills and you can really hammer down on them and then they get better. And then they see that they're getting better because you and your crew are helping them and that gives them a ton of confidence and then they're off for the races and then they love the job again. You, you know what I mean? And that's yeah. where I think that whole mantra of, you know, you owe it to them. And a lot of things that I hear, and I see a lot of buzzwords on um, social media where they're like servile leadership. I mean, yeah, you're there to serve them, but it's supportive leadership. I don't like the idea of servile because I'm not serving someone. I'm there to support you and lead you, not stand behind you and do what you need. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think so. The the servant leadership is putting your people first. You know, um, uh, I think that's a we do that, right? We do put our we do sure. put our we yeah, do absolutely. put our people before ourselves. Um, absolutely. And we're, you know, the idea is we want to be better every day, right? That's kind of what you're, you're saying. Just striving yeah. to be better. We're a better version of ourselves yeah. today than we were yesterday. Um, and I think we're uh, just trying to pick up a couple of the points that you had there. Rank gives you the, it opens doors for you to influence up and down the chain of command that don't always exist for the firefighter. And when you use them for good, that's one of the most beneficial things that rank provides you is that um, you, your sphere of influence is greater and your ability to influence up and down the chain of command um, is better. But um, because of those additional avenues that you may not necessarily have as a firefighter, but we should be listening to our firefighters, right? Those boots on the ground, because yep. so many of the best ideas in the fire service come from them if we're listening to them, right? Um, and that's an important sure. an important consideration as well. All things that you said, just, uh, um, you know, there was a, a lot to unpack in those last couple of sentences yeah, yeah. you had. So good stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a lot of that listening to them comes from those conversations of those informal drills and you know, the engagement that you get by being at that kitchen table with them, because you, you know, well as I do, everybody's the politician, the pediatrician, the marriage counselor, the, they can fix and solve absolutely anything at the kitchen table and give you all the advice you could ever want or not want, depending on who they are, who they are, yeah. you're going to get it. Don't take your retirement advice from those at the kitchen table. But when it comes to solving fire service problems, the majority of the tools that we use on the fire trucks today were either invented or modified by firefighters. Um, because sure. we solved, we're problem solvers. And um, the, we see that now with all the new um, different tools that are, um, are being experimented with for extinguishing lithium ion batteries, um, right? Mm -hmm. the, the solution to that is going to come from a firefighter. We may not be there yet, or maybe we are, and I haven't seen the tool yet, but we're going to get there. And the solution will come from a firefighter, just like so many other solutions have come from firefighters, whether it's the high-rise nozzle, whether it's the halogen, whether it's the window curtain, so many, you know, more recent things that the firefighter comes up with the, uh, the way to solve the problem. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. Um, so chief, it's been, we're right around that hour mark. I think this is a really good place to kind of end this and, uh, bring it to a close. You know, thank you for coming on today. I greatly appreciate it. Um, is there anything you had to say in closing? Anyone you give a shout out to? Anything else that uh, we didn't touch on? No, I appreciate you having me on the program. If anybody wants to contact me, um, firstresponder at uh, gmail.com. Actually, firstresponderconsultant at gmail.com. I should remember my email address. But uh, um, other than that, yeah, and on social media, of course, in the usual places. But I yeah, appreciate you having me on. Sure, no problem. Thank you for thank you for coming on. Uh, we're going to add links to the contact information for Frank in the uh, description of the episode. Frank, don't go anywhere. Real quick, while I close this out, um, everyone, thanks for listening to Tip the Spear Leadership Podcast. Before we go, show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving us a review on your favorite podcast network. Hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. Five stars are our favorite as it'll help us grow our community. Stay tuned in the coming weeks for the next episodes. Tip the Spear Leadership. Be present, be yourself, be unstoppable. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.